Welcome to this week's episode of the Integra Podcast, where we discuss everything from wisdom to wellness to woo. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome to the Integra Podcast. Today, I'm here with poet, performer, and writer, Natasha Ria Elskari. Natasha is a Cave Canum alum, Ragsdale residency recipient, and educator for over a decade. Her poetry, academic papers, and personal essays have been published in anthologies, literary, and online journals. She's opened for and introduced great writers, singers, and activists, and has been featured at a host of universities and venues nationwide. Born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri, Natasha has a Bachelor of Arts from Jackson State University and a Master of Arts from the University of Missouri, Kansas City. In 2015, Natasha released her first book, Screaming Times, through Spartan Press. Her second book, The Only Other, was published in 2016 and dives into the taboo voice of the other woman. In 2019, Natasha released her first self-published and nonfiction book in collaboration with her son entitled Mama Sutra, Love and Lovemaking Advice to My Son. In 2020, Natasha self-released I Say, They Say, a chapter book about a special decade in her maternal grandmother's life. In that same month, she released Growing Up Cena, her first novel created after challenging herself to grow creatively outside of poetry. Natasha also has three spoken word projects, Dragon Butter Firefly, This Is Love, The Cuddle Complex, and a DVD, Live at the Blue Room. This mother of two is the founder and curator of Black Space Black Art, an organization created to promote the exhibition of African-American visual arts and businesses. Welcome, Natasha. Hello, Heather. It's so nice to be with you today. You too. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Today, we're going to be talking about conscious dating. I have read and enjoyed many of your books. And, you know, your book, Mama Sutra, Love and Love Making Advice to My Son, feels like a beautiful journal to your son, Nazir. But also for anyone out there looking for a holistic look at the art of dating, love, and lovemaking. The questions and writing space at the end of each chapter allows the reader time and space for contemplation. Even though this is written for your then 20-year-old Black son, it feels like something someone of any age, race, or sexuality could use this as a guide. Was that your purpose? It really was. And, um, you know, when Nazir and I talked about what to name it, Mm -hmm. that was the hardest part because it was, in fact, um, a culmination of conversations, right, that I've had mm-hmm. with my son um, over the years. But um, as I, how we wrote it, and as I've discovered, um, some people have purchased it like for their own sons, but ended mm-hmm. up really benefiting in their own relationships as well. So it was really written with the idea of opening the conversation and normalizing um, sex, but also normalizing sex with. Um, adult women who are mothers and like which is another issue that we face in our society this idea of of all the intersectionality of who women are and how that impacts their sexuality you know throughout their lives yeah yeah I totally agree totally agree yeah that's wonderful um and I you know I read this and it just it really did it just really went into my heart space and just um 
I sat there with tears in my eyes reading it because it was this beautiful allowance for freedom, you know, and I just, yeah. Yeah. And I, and and that is, that was really the whole point. And so um, I think I may have, uh, we might have talked about it in the, in the foreword, but Mm -hmm. when my son went to college, he, he just said that he had no idea that men were taught and believed as they did Mm. you know when you grow up you are within the safety of your family and community which more than likely those people are of similar mind frame right so he grew up around seeing empowered women express their sexuality and Mm -hmm. see the same thing for men and even having sex normalized as a part of daily conversation and people Mm -hmm. talking about how their bodies felt after giving birth or Maybe they didn't feel sexy during a certain time. Like those are things mm-hmm. that he, he grew up hearing. And so when he went to college, he just called me and he's like, I am living with a bunch of Neanderthals, mom. <laughs> you have to write a book. Yeah. He's like, some, you know, some of the things that, that men believe about sex and mm-hmm. are told about sex is just like blowing my mind. And I was like, yeah, you've been really protected by feminism your whole life, you know? And so that was like that first awakening, I think, for in, in his adulthood, mm-hmm. where you realize the world is very different than even how you were raised. Because we all can raise our children to be open, but they're still going to experience people who have completely different experiences than they do. And, and they are firm mm-hmm. in those beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. And he was. He was so uh, fortunate to have grown up with such a a wonderful set of strong women around him who um, guided him and showed him um, and, you know, modeled for him the strong feminine aspect. Yeah. And these women evolved too, Mm -hmm. right? So it was, I mean, when you've been alive for 18 years, you can see someone become a woman, right? you know, see someone in their active womanhood, then see someone date for the first time, Mm -hmm. experience heartbreak marriage, divorce, children, like you can see a lot in 18 years. Um, And so with all of that kind of going around him and our home was often a place where people, you know, converged to to share those experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he he just grew up hearing those things. Mm -hmm. And he was conscious enough to listen to it, which is another, you know, aspect of, um, having that available to him but him also being aware and um do you think uh the spiritual you know his spiritual upbringing really kind of um was a part of that you know I think so not only to listen but to also ask questions and Mm -hmm. and as much as I would like to take uh full responsibility in that Mm -hmm. like I was raised by a mother who really welcomed asking questions Mm -hmm. and she also shot straight from the hip you know she told the truth and she told the truth in a way that allowed me to come up with my own beliefs mm-hmm. but also for her to for us to understand like kind of where she lived and so I just took that a step further and I think mm-hmm. in addition to listening also being able to ask questions based on what you think you've heard and what you've actually heard, right? So yes, to get some clarification because there, yeah, is, you know, there is, like you said, so many aspects of that um, coming at you from everyone else's backgrounds and conditioning. So 
It's a big piece. Um, so you're a life coach also. Um, do you have many people who come to you for advice around partnership, love, dating, sex? Uh, yeah. So the, the life coaching really kind of happened because I always had people coming to me yes. <laughs> around those things. And um, one of the reasons, and, it, and it, it just really happened very naturally, which is probably the case with a lot of coaches, they, mm -hmm. they become a life coach because they've already been coaching. Mm -hmm. um, yes. And they maybe want to legitimize it. At least that's my impression of it. And mm -hmm. uh, my case was no different. It really started mostly um, having conversations with teenagers mm -hmm. um, about sex. A lot of people feeling very squeamish based on how they were raised. Mm -hmm. You know, don't have sex. Don't get pregnant. Don't, right. you know, don't get a disease. Mm -hmm. And that is really not an effective sex education. It does yeah. not. It does not teach people to embrace their sexuality or this or even to understand what's happening for them in their bodies and in their hearts and minds when they're teenagers um, and even before they're teenagers. So, right, we have this right. impression that that we only become these sexual or sensual beings um, when we are teenagers and in high school. But, you know, you can look at an infant and see that they are completely tied to their sensuality and tied mm -hmm. to their tied to their senses and experiencing them in a pleasurable way right oh um, yeah they love to be without their diaper um mm -hmm. they love to run around mm -hmm. naked they love to streak they love to, yes. to do those things and to be allowed to do that and for that not to be sexualized but to be right. sensualized and I think that is something that is really very important um and also for the body to be seen in a non-sexual way too because I think that is really confusing uh, for people as well. I wanted my children to see women nurse their babies. I wanted right. them to see that, to see that the body functions in a multitude of ways. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I wanted my children to see how you have to help someone like after surgery or, you know, and these things right. that are after childbirth, like mm -hmm. what happens to a woman? How does she have to heal? Um, all of those things. And, mm -hmm. and I think just being that open to having those discussions and then, you know, you have these little children and they're like, you know, asking, are you going to nurse your baby? You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> are you going to feed your baby from your breast? You know, those kinds of things and normalizing that they can say, yes. well, no, I'm not. Or yes, I am, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that's really what our hope was for the book mm -hmm. was to open up and help people to create a conversation with their own families. So, you know, the life coaching part, I think people think, sometimes they think that they are coming to me about one thing, mm -hmm. but it ends up opening in many areas. So, you know, sometimes people may come to me about sexual uh, concerns or issues, mm -hmm. but what they find is that that concern or issue is in many areas. It's not mm -hmm. just in their sexual life or vice versa, right? Mm-hmm, right. Yeah, something underlying that can affect, you know, all parts of our lives. Yeah, so like if people have control issues and then they realize that they don't allow themselves to feel pleasure mm -hmm. um, and they may not allow themselves to, to experience an orgasm or to even try to experience an orgasm because it's all right. about controlling and not being able to let go yeah yeah oh that's great yeah okay so conscious dating really what does that mean to you 
Well, I think um, conscious dating for me means one, um, really, even if you're not clear on where you are in Mm -hmm. dating, that you express that you're not clear, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it is about really sharing with whoever is going to encounter you in the dating world, Mm -hmm. a communication about where you are. I find that most of the dating concerns that, you know, people have come around um, just not communicating what their intention was. So it it was interesting. I had a conversation with a young person uh, who's 18 recently Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, they were kissed by someone that they were seeing. And then after the kiss, they were told, I don't really want to date anybody seriously. And so we had this conversation and their their response was, why didn't they tell me that before the kiss? Mm -hmm. And then I opened up this idea that maybe they didn't discover it until Mm -hmm. after they kissed. That sometimes, yes, we do know what we want to experience before we experience it. But other times it may be a moment in which we have an experience. We're like, whoa, I thought I wanted that, Mm -hmm. but I really don't want that. Or even being able to ask, was it something about kissing me that you didn't like? You mm-hmm. know, and really being able to be open enough to have those kinds of conversations when we're dating. Um, yes. And we're not used to that in our mm-hmm. society. You know, um, if you are a person like, you know, and I talk about it in the book, um, when I went from the shift of not wanting to be in a relationship to wanting to be in a relationship mm-hmm. and you know, how that looks very different in how you date, you know? Mm -hmm. So when I, you know, dated, so it's like when I dated before, there were just certain things that I didn't really get deep with a person. I may be Mm -hmm. concerned about their well-being, but I'm not asking the same type of delving questions that I would ask with someone that I'm trying to build a relationship with. Right, right. Because that can be confusing. Mm -hmm. But if we've established that, so some people may want to experience deep levels of intimacy, Mm -hmm. but they don't want to be in a relationship. And we may think that that's selfish or not workable, but it really is if we actually have a conversation and get on the same page with whoever we're requesting that from. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really the thing to me about conscious dating is about making things workable for both people. Right, right. And being upfront and honest about where you are. Yes. And even if you're not sure where you are, right, Right. that is still Mm -hmm. a level of honesty. Hey, I am not sure where I am. So there was one time that there was a gentleman that I met online. And Mm -hmm. in our first meeting, he said to me, I want to, we can drink together. We can smoke together. We can have sex. I do, I do not want a relationship. I'm never going to disrespect you. Mm-hmm. I'm breaking, I, I might even go back to my wife. I don't know what mm-hmm. that looks like. And that allowed me to make an informed decision about yes. how I wanted to engage with him. Mm-hmm. It was so refreshing, mm-hmm. right? To have this, because I think in another case, if a woman was, you know, drinking with someone, smoking with someone, making love, having great conversation, they'd be like, wow, this is really going someplace. Yeah, You can assume that, but that's not necessarily the case. Right, right. Um, This is great. Thank you. This is uh, wonderful. So do you feel like dating has changed 
in our collective since we were in our teens and 20s. I know I'm a little older than you, um, well, by 10 years. <laughs> and um, and I remember what it was like dating in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, do you think, you know, when you talk with your kids now, do you see similarities in where we are? I mean, I know that there's so many different types of people out there, but do you think there's a, a different level of consciousness around it or, you know, around modern modern day relationships? I would definitely say, like, obviously, with the social changes that happen, we are seeing, mm -hmm. um, we're seeing more things. So, like, one of the conversations that I never had with my mom was, how would I feel about dating someone who's trans? Mm -hmm. Right? That's not right, a conversation right. I had with my mom. Right. That's not a conversation my friends and I had with each mm -hmm. other. But that is something that my children's generation right. is facing on a greater scale. Mm -hmm. And you know, and my son and I have talked a lot about this. What is, you know, that just because you have a preference does not make you, you know, homophobic. Right. You don't want to date someone who was not biologically, you know, a woman mm -hmm. does not mean that you are anti. Right. You know, it, it means that you actually would prefer to date someone who was born as that particular sex. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is something new. Yes. When, you know, in young people and then um, courting looks different um, mm -hmm. because you have social media. So what mm -hmm. what I've seen occur, and I think my daughter would be comfortable with me sharing this. So, you know, she is in college now and there was someone interested in her and they they sought her out on social media mm -hmm. before. But they're on the same campus. Oh, so wow. I think that is very different, right? And so it's yes. like, even though, because that may seem too forward mm -hmm. in this generation, they are, they have their, they experience intimacy differently. Right, right. So they may talk with someone on social media and have an actual relationship or friendship, but then they see each other in person and they don't talk or they have to make an adjustment to learning how to talk to them in person yes. versus talking to them online. Right. Right. Yes. Uh-huh. And so I've 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 definitely made sure that I have not tried to belittle online relationships mm -hmm. because what I've realized um, is that I too share those types of relationships with people, right? Mm -hmm. Where people where I share intimate details of my life on social media. And so if I meet someone in person and they immediately have this sense of intimacy mm -hmm. and I'm like, whoa, like I've only seen you once. Yes, but they've been following my life. Or, right. you know. And so it does create to me another layer when you look at dating because it allows a person, even if it is contrived, it allows a person to at least take a glimpse into what you're into. Yes, definitely. And I do see that I can I can see how you how relationships, especially with social media, um, when people are, are delving into our lives, you know, by, you know, being friends on a social media platform or following, they do see more so they can feel a connection to you in a different way before they meet you. Yes. And then even with dating. So even if you <laughs> post something as simple uh, oh, I'm at my favorite sushi spot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that seems very simple. But if someone is interested in you, 
they can send you a message and say, I would really love to take you out for sushi sometime. Oh, yeah. You see what I'm saying? So yeah, it's that's like, so sweet. Yes. And so uh-huh. then it's like, oh, and then you're like, oh, you know, or the number of times a person has liked a post mm-hmm. that like my son was educating me on that. Like, you don't if you if you love a post as a guy, you know, to a girl, you like her pictures, but you don't love her pictures because that can feel creepy. Oh. And I was like, wow. Whereas, of course, woman to woman, we're always like, oh, you're so cute. Uh-huh. You know, I love you. Yeah. We're love, 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 like uh-huh. we're loving, loving the picture. Uh-huh. But he's like, no, that's creepy. If somebody that you haven't really met uh-huh. and they have they have a nice picture. And so even establishing new friendships and mm-hmm. and like and what those lines look like, what is an appropriate conversation to have versus mm-hmm. an inappropriate. So like I have a classmate. And we, um, you know, we, we saw each other. We always were, were warm to each other. Um, but we, we saw each other at the, what is it? The reunion, which reunions are even different now. Cause it's mm. not like, you know, you're, we're all following each other. We're right. in groups together. So we don't have that need for, and we have more mini reunions than mm-hmm. we do one big one. Right. Right. And, um, and so, um, he and I share a love for memes, mm-hmm. like silly ones. And so he sends those typically every day. And I'll either like say that was a good one or that one sucked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then we have children around the same age. So we have ended up creating a friendship that we didn't actually have um, through talking online. But we could never actually be in person with each other. We keep different hours Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We live in different parts of the city. You know, mm-hmm. we have we have a completely different friend groups, but the love of memes and mm-hmm. the fact that our children are close in age, you know, it's like it creates a different kind of friendship. Right. So so I do think that, you know, that that is a, a level of intimacy that we don't think about today, but it does exist. You know, mm-hmm. you you feel for people or you are celebrating with people in a way, even if you don't see them, like you're right. cheering for them in real time mm-hmm. or you're praying for people that you may not even see, but you know, you mm-hmm. know them right. intimately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's such an interesting, you know, time that we are in right now uh, with this. So, um, so do you think, um, going back to kids, do you think we should be more candid and open with our children, age appropriate, of course, about sex? Well, you know, I really don't exactly know what age appropriate is. I mean, obviously Uh we know that porn is not age appropriate, right? right? right. But I don't know if porn is necessarily appropriate for adults. Exactly. Um, I don't, I don't know if it makes them better lovers. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know that, that again, you know, if you say that you're sex positive and people are like, oh, they think that it means you have to be okay with everything. Right. But that's not what sex positivity is. Mm-hmm. It means that you are willing to have a discussion about everything right. and you're willing to be open, but mm-hmm. you can still have your own standards, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, and so I think that for me, you start teaching about sex the moment you take your hand, your child's hand away when they're touching their genitalia. Mm-hmm. You're teaching. Right. Oh, yeah. Whether you think you are or not, right? Right. If your child is touching themselves and you say, don't touch yourself, you're teaching. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
You know, if you say, if you want to touch yourself, you have to touch yourself in your room or mm-hmm. touch yourself in the bathroom because you're having a private moment. That's what I would mm-hmm. teach my kids. Yes. You know, if you want to have a private moment, you do that there, you know, mm-hmm. and it's nothing to be ashamed of, you know, right. you're teaching sex when you give, and, and sometimes um, you can have fun words that are not like, you know, it's fun to have different words for your body parts, but they mm-hmm. also should know the technical part of it, right? Right. If I have to talk to the doctor, I don't need to say my ooh-ooh um, or my flower power bundle, you know, I can say <laughs> my vagina or my vulva. You know, actually say that, you know, Mm -hmm. so I do think that in teaching our children how to embrace the human form is the first teaching around sex and sexuality Mm -hmm. and and letting them see healthy um, adult affection. Right. Mm -hmm. I think children should see adults cuddle. Um, or adults share a kiss in public or be snuggly my kids and I would crack up we were like oh that's a first date oh they're on the Mm -hmm. 10th date oh he just told her he loved her like we would make up stories about Uh seeing lovers right or seeing people and you could tell when it was like if they were nervous or you know if it was a blind date and we allowed that to you know be a part of what we observed in people and Uh not look away you know right yeah, and admire it and it not be something to be ashamed of. Yes. So yeah. you're first teaching about sex before you ever teach about sex, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like we're literally all on the planet because someone had sex. Like right. <laughs> and and even if you're just approaching it in that way. And mm-hmm. there are some really awesome books that I love um, that are readily available that teach children about sex. And mm-hmm. um, you know even like when I brought my daughter home and my son was like, can I see her vagina? And I'm like, yes, you can see it, but you can't touch it. Right. You know, just even teaching that. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, and him going, I don't look like that. And I'm like, right, because you're mm-hmm. a boy and she's a girl. After that, he was fine. He never exactly. had to see his sister again. You see what I'm saying? He yeah. understood that like, this is her privacy. And he mm-hmm. became very concerned with her having warm, wet wipes because she would scream if the wet wipes were cold. <laughs> So he would always say, I'll, I'll make sure the wet wipe is warm, you know, or, you know, uh he would say, don't get, don't take out the wet wipe until you're ready. You know, Mm -hmm. he would, he would tell other people if they had to change her diaper, like she doesn't like cold wet wipes. And so again, like Uh that same protection and knowing he still has for her today. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't, you know, she goes to him about boyfriend stuff. Like she Mm -hmm. goes to him about dating because he actually doesn't just see her as his sister. Right. He sees her as a young woman in the dating world. Mm-hmm. And that is the part where we really are challenging men to see outside of patriarchy, right? Yeah. My son can see me as a sexual being, you know, mm-hmm. as a, just an ordinary woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I am in a new relationship and, you know, um, my partner made a comment about, you know, me planning a date and I was like whoa like I haven't done that Mm -hmm. so I called my son and I was like okay what's a good cheap date or a free date like I was like I'm so I'm so green on this Mm -hmm. I don't you know and he was like yeah mom I understand he's like you haven't dated you know Mm -hmm. so and you know and my partner was like whoa you talk to your son about this and I'm like or he was like you tell your son all of your business and I was like see I don't consider that 
all my business. Like Mm -hmm. my son loves me and I know that he supports us. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to the person who actually can have some good advice knowing who we both are as people. So that is a different experience, you know, for my partners. Like, whoa, you're going to your kid about love advice, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. like, it's like, yeah, he's got, he's got a good perspective on things. Heck yeah. And he might know the places to have the best exactly you know, free dates, it, romantic right. dates, you know? Right. Right. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Um, so, you know, intention in the relationship and we've been, we've talked a little bit about that before. Um, but intention in the relationship seems really important. And it is, as we've been talking uh, today, whether it's a more casual relationship based on sex or a long time per partner, it's almost like there's a need for a sacred contract, no matter what. Yes, there is. Mm -hmm. And I think that as we evolve as human beings, Mm -hmm. we cannot talk about social justice Mm -hmm. and not talk about sexual justice. Right. You know, we cannot Mm -hmm. ask for all of this integrity in other areas that is humane Mm -hmm. and then we become barbarians when it comes to our sexual selves like it doesn't work it all has to evolve together Mm -hmm. because it's all connected yes and that just because someone if you're in a non-committed relationship and someone is your lover it doesn't mean that they are deserve to be disrespected Mm, right right you you should still have to, if you say you're going to be meet them at a certain time, mm-hmm. you should meet them at a certain time because that is actually honoring who they are as a sexual person. It's honoring the preparation they may take in, in getting ready for you sexually. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So yes. it's like, oh yeah. And it's in, in that level of intention, right? It's like, I, you know, if a person doesn't want to entertain someone unless they feel like they're in the right mind frame, you honor that because Mm -hmm. that actually takes time to get there um, in a busy day, in a busy world, in a busy life. Right. Right. So we do get to honor, you know, people. And I, I think about that song, like what if God was one of us, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that we should think about that in a sexual way too. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what, what typically happens with people, sexually Mm -hmm. and I can say this as a life coach is that we think that people have to have multiple traumatic experiences to ruin their sexual selves or to damage but really it could be one Mm -hmm. it could be one experience that they have that really ruins their their view or their lookout on their body or whatever just Mm -hmm. as it can be one sexual experience that is so beautiful that it sets a beautiful a foundation for them to have a rich um, sexual life. Mm-hmm. And I and I talk about that a lot because um, the first uh, person that I engaged in sensual behavior with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because we never ever had sex, but mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. we I learned what foreplay was, and I mm-hmm. learned you know, how to honor, you know, kissing and Mm -hmm. cuddling, all of those things that as adults that enjoy sex, we still like, Mm -hmm. 
And, yeah. you know, and so, and, and I, when I tell people I was 12 and 13 and this person was 13. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we think that kids are not having sensual and sexual experiences, it's like, we're really misled mm-hmm. because it really doesn't take that long. Right. I mean, think mm-hmm. about how long it takes to hug somebody. Right. Most mm-hmm. people do not engage in a 15 minute tongue kiss. No. So when people say, oh, my kid would never, they haven't had the chance. I'm always watching them. You aren't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know, it takes 30 seconds for someone mm-hmm. to touch you in an offensive way. Right. Right. Somebody can hit your butt when you walk down a hallway. That takes two seconds. Mm-hmm. And that can forever scare you. Yes. Oh, about yeah. walking down a hallway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not even the length of time. It's the actual experience itself. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I do think that we have to remember that when a person comes to us sexually, they're coming with just as much as their anticipation, their mm-hmm. hope, their expression, but they're also coming with their pain, you know, the things that they've been told about their bodies or the things mm-hmm. that they believe about their bodies, whether mm-hmm. those things are positive or negative. Right, right. Uh, yeah, so um, so here at the Integra po- podcast, um, I approach the whole person from the mind, body, spirit, and soul. Um, how can one take this holistic approach into their dating and relationships? For example, you, in the book, you talk about sapiosexuality. So, um, you know, the mind. Yeah. So I, I think that one, a person has to get really clear with what they want in the, mm-hmm. in a relationship, mm-hmm. because I think that we all want in need something different. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, sex and and sexual expression mm-hmm. is very important in a partnership for me mm-hmm. it's not the only thing right but when I really get honest with myself that is a major thing mm-hmm. and and I'll share with you why one of the reasons that I've always been attracted to very intelligent people mm-hmm. so I have a plethora of friends and colleagues who stimulate me mentally. Right. Those are not the people who stimulate me sexually. Mm-hmm. So I may have an amazing lover who is not necessarily deeply intellectual, mm-hmm. but that's not going to work for a partnership. Right. Okay. But it can work for a lover. Do you mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, but Because yeah. we meet at that, at that precipice. Mm-hmm. But um. I think that one, people need to get really present to what they need. So mm-hmm. when I first got into this relationship and I, I haven't been in a relationship in 16 years and I was talking to my, and my partner did not believe me. And mm-hmm. I was just telling my son, I was like, do you feel like I've been in a relationship? He said, mom, I think that you've been in agreements. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you've been in, you know, he was like, yes, you all had a relationship, but it was not a relationship it was an agreement mm-hmm. <laughs> or what we now call a situationship, you know? Uh-huh. So, and so, you know, with that, I think it's just getting really present to what you want. Mm-hmm. I am a person that deeply loves to cuddle. Mm-hmm. I, I cuddle with my friends. I cuddle mm-hmm. with my kids. I, you know, when I cuddle with my mom, she's like, get off me. My daughter is <laughs> like, get off me. Uh-huh. I still want to cuddle. You know what yes. I mean? Like uh-huh. that, that is, I like to sit close to people 
Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter has an ongoing joke. I like to sit on the same side of the booth with people. Mm-hmm. I, you know what I mean? Like I am just a, I am an affectionate person and mm-hmm. I like physical touch. I've always been that way, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I know how to experience physical touch and it's not sexual, right. you know, and I, and I know how to give physical touch. And I also know how to back off <laughs> when mm-hmm. people say that they don't want it, you know? Oh yeah. Um, and so, so I have to have a partner um, and I'm sharing this because like, I wanted people to get clear. Like I have to have mm-hmm. a partner who, that that is a thing that they also not only want, but they also need. Mm-hmm. Because I don't, I don't want to be with a person who's always having to give me cuddles. I want to be with a person who is also gaining something from those sessions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I, yeah. So it's like, yeah, I can give that, but it's like, I want them to enjoy it because right. that even looks different, you know? Mm-hmm. Being um, able to receive. Yes. And also mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah. That they're not always the giver. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and, and I do. So I do think that I, I don't know if I've escaped the question a little bit, and I apologize for that. So no, when we talk about like mind, body, spirit, right? So mm-hmm. if I just were even to look at my own situation, mm-hmm. um, and I'm saying that to say that I I do still want to have intellectual conversations with my partner, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I realize that it's really important for me to be with somebody who appreciates the arts. They don't mm-hmm. have to be an artist, but art right. is such a huge part of my life they would really be missing out on an enormous chunk. I'm always really surprised when I, I hear, you know, people who are professional athletes and they are partnered with people who don't like sports mm-hmm. because I'm like, well, where do you all meet? Mm-hmm. And, and do they really understand and get the passion? Right. Like at least know about it, you know, at least have mm-hmm. a general idea about the game. So mm-hmm. that's something else that I like, I have to get into whatever my partner is into. That's mm-hmm. important to me because I want to be able to meet them there mm-hmm. and be able to ask stimulating questions to them and to be able to bring a perspective or to help them even grow in that area. So, mm-hmm. you know, and then um, as far as like the body part, that is such a great <laughs> question because I'm experiencing that right now mm-hmm. in, in that, you know, you can have a feeling about your body and have a relationship with your own body, mm-hmm. but it does change when you consistently start start sharing that with another person. Mm-hmm. You discover things about your own body. And so I think that people, once people kind of say, hey, this is where I stand, mm-hmm. I think that we, one of the things that we have to do is to understand that where we stand, yes, it's on solid ground, but mm-hmm. it's also fluid. It can yes. change. Mm-hmm. And it can change quickly which is, that's why emotion and conversation is important. Mm -hmm. You know, before I made love for the first time to my new partner, I said to him, right now I am in a restorative place. Mm -hmm. I was like, I need to be healed through lovemaking. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get the wild child. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not in that space right now. Once I feel secure, once I feel reassured, once I feel loved, mm-hmm. you'll see more of her. Mm-hmm. I was clear that that's yes. where I was. Uh-huh. And so those are two very different parts of my sexual personality. Mm-hmm. And it took a lot of courage for me. And people think that just because I'm a coach that I can do things very easily. Some things I can, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I'm also a human, right? Right. And so um, I just think 
obviously having conversations, mm-hmm. you know, um, while you're in the bed with your partner, but not necessarily before or after sex, um, mm-hmm. you know, but just being able to have that closeness, that nesting feeling, mm-hmm. you know, it's, a, it's important to be able to communicate all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I typically do not date people who share the same spiritual beliefs that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, as an African-American woman, most African-American heterosexual men are either Christian um, or Muslim. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I am neither of those. And so right. that is always a major leap mm-hmm. for the men that I date. And I think it's a big reason why I haven't gone further with some of the men that I've dated or the lovers I've had because we haven't shared the same spiritual beliefs. Mm -hmm. While that is not important to me, Mm -hmm. that typically is important to them. Right. Because my spiritual belief is that there are many paths to God Mm -hmm. and one of those paths is no more sacred than the other. So that lets me off the hook. I can mm-hmm. date anybody of any background. Right. Because I don't feel like anyone has full authority over the one. Mm-hmm. Right. And I feel like regardless of what we call that entity, that force, that we're actually talking about the same person. Mm-hmm. Or not not, I don't want to say person because it's not a person, but the same presence. Mm-hmm. So even though it shows up differently in people's lives. So, so it's easy for me. Oh, you're a Christian. You love Jesus that I'm cool with that. But they're like, Whoa, that means we're not equally yoked. I get that a lot. I hear that a lot. Mm. Or, or that means like, and I, I remember telling one of my lovers, we could never date because you actually think I'm going to burn in hell. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. And you know, and he was like, I, I actually do. And I'm like, right. Mm-hmm. But we also aren't married and we're having sex. So you're mm-hmm. actually selecting, you know. Right. So I think it's important to be able to have a discussion because the thing is, is that I'm very clear in my spirituality and, mm-hmm. I, you know, and I don't feel the need to defend it. Right. And so if I'm getting in those discussions where I have to defend and we're not trying to learn each other, but mm-hmm. we're trying to defend I know that that person is not a potential partner for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that we do have to be able to speak our partner's language mm-hmm. to know, like, if if I am partnered with someone who's a Christian, I want to understand the Bible because I want to be able to have an intelligent conversation mm-hmm. and say, what does scripture say to you about these kinds of things? Mm-hmm. I can ask those questions even if I don't know the Bible personally Mm -hmm. you know I can ask why do you do this practice what does this practice mean Mm -hmm. where does this come from and not in a way that's like chastising but in a way that it's like I'm trying to learn and discover you Mm -hmm. know I don't pray the same way my partner prays Mm -hmm. and I'm okay with that Mm -hmm. I don't think he's quite comfortable with that yet so for me it's like he can pray and I'm gonna be right there and join him in his prayers Mm-hmm. I still am going to pray the way I pray. Right. And it's right. not either or. I get mm-hmm. to actually celebrate and be with both of those. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, Heather, God is like this. this it's, it's expansive. Mm-hmm. God, we are yeah. restrictive. Human beings oh, yeah. are restrictive. Mm-hmm. But God and love is actually, God as love is actually expansive. And that was also a concept that I taught to my children. Whenever mm-hmm. somebody brought a new partner, you know, 
um, I would say this is now a new person we get to love. I'm like, you don't have to feel like you need to protect. This is my so-and-so. No, Mm -hmm. now you get to also embrace this person. And if that person goes away because they break up, you don't have to be mean to that person. Mm -mm. You get to still say hello to them, right? Mm -hmm. Unless they're not a safe person. Right. But that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so mm-hmm. so I, I hope I answered um oh, yeah. that question. And I do think that couples should do um have a physical activity that is not only love making, um, whether it's taking a walk together or dancing, or mm-hmm. I talk about that in the book, you know. Yes. Um, even like going on a hike or whatever. Mm-hmm your body is able to do because I think that physical activities mm-hmm. create trust in each other mm-hmm. and it expands to the bedroom, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you are riding a bike with your partner and your partner is in front and you're in the back, you learn how to follow because mm-hmm. sometimes in a relationship you have to do that mm-hmm. and that you do these physical activities where one is stronger than the other at it. Mm-hmm. Um, because even when I work with, with young people, Um, as an educator, but also my own children, the reason that I'm able to get young people to open up to me is Mm -hmm. because I allow them to teach me things. I don't come to them like I know everything. Mm -hmm. And when they can teach me something and they can, you know, one, I'm actually learning something, but two, I'm creating this like energy in the relationship where there's not one of dominance. You know, Mm -hmm. there's just, it's one of us sharing Mm -hmm. and, and getting to know each other. And it's still allows a space for respect. So I think mm-hmm. the same has to go in relationship, whether it's same sex relationships or whether it is, you know, the feminine to the masculine relationship. Mm-hmm. We still have to be able to have do things where one is strong at something and one isn't. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I've run into in my relationship because, you know, my partner considers me this person that's really good at a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And so when I encounter something you know, with him that I'm not good at. It's like, what? You don't know that? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I don't know how to fix an engine to a car. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, no. And I don't uh-huh. also don't want to know. And right. I think it's really cool that you know. Can you fix this? You mm-hmm. know, so I realized too, we have to have those experiences that allow, you know, each other to be the person that is leading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's got to have that nice flow and give and take because we do, we come in to, to help each other, to balance each other. You know, we come in as whole people, hopefully, but we do come in to um, balance each other and we do have our strengths and our weaknesses and need support on both sides of it. Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know, meeting each other where we are, um, I think is important. And it's such a different way to be. What mm-hmm. you realize um, is that the world is is actually a very unjust place mm-hmm. and it's not a place of equity. Mm-hmm. And so creating equity and uh, equanimity, mm-hmm. you know, in a relationship is a challenge. Mm-hmm. It's a good challenge, mm-hmm. but but it is it is definitely work. Yeah. Yeah. And that it's, this takes us into my next question really is about equality in a relationship. Um, um, I think for people our age, um, I think you're still a Gen Xer, considered a Gen Xer, you know, 
um, we had parents who had very traditional relationship roles in their partnerships or marriages. And um, I think as we evolve within our spirituality and our own partnerships, roles may become more fluid. Um, you talk about in your book about, um, you know, uh, cleaning is foreplay, you know, not it not being all about the woman killing herself in the kitchen and the house and then expecting, uh, you know, sex at the end of the day. Um, yes. What, so what do you see as a true partnership from sharing chores to really roles in the relationship? And we've kind of touched on that, but maybe expand a little. Yeah. So I want to say first, um, even though we have a traditional look of marriage in this country, Mm -hmm. I do want to say it's a very white middle-class view of marriage Mm -hmm. um, because African-American women do not really function in relationships the way that the it's put forth in our great greater in the greater society. Mm-hmm. Um, I my both my grandmothers were married. They were both incredibly independent. Mm-hmm. They were both very outspoken. They both had lives outside of their spouses, mm-hmm. and they were both incredibly dedicated to their spouses. Mm-hmm. So it it I, one set of grandparents did not have the same faith. And that's pretty rare. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And and I would say the same is for my aunts and, um, you know, as well, like they were also very independent and strong women. So even when uh, my grandmother uh, was a stay at home mom, she still had her own income. She still did things to bring in income so she would have her own uh, Mm -hmm. spending money and things like that. But she was raised, my great grandfather, who I knew who lived to be 101, he was a feminist. And so he really raised her in that same way, Mm -hmm. you know, as well um, to always have her own, but she could still be, you know, partnered. Mm -hmm. So I do want to say that that it does look very different within the African-American community Mm -hmm. um, with how interdependence and independence in relationships um, look. Mm-hmm. And I also want to say that <laughs> chapter, the best floor play is a, is a clean kitchen. We know now there are more women in college than men. We know that in many relationships, mm-hmm. particularly in African-American relationships, women often make more money mm-hmm. than men. So that traditional role mm-hmm. is a very, um, it is one that we have to really, really work through, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are class differences. And um, I think that because we live in a racist country, mm-hmm. race always trumps these other things. So it's like, mm-hmm. if we're both if we're both Black, we can make this work. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have to consider, <laughs> like, class. We mm-hmm. do have to consider education. You know, mm-hmm. we do have to consider interests. So when I talk about that, um, that is also like, I've even had this conversation with my mother mm-hmm. and I was like, if I were a man, I would be completely celebrated. Oh, she has her own businesses. Mm-hmm. She has her own gallery. She has a nice house. She has a nice car. She has a great relationship with her children. Not only would I be celebrated, I would have women thrown at me 
people would be like, I want to connect you with my friend. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever does that to me. I've been single for 16 years and nobody mm-hmm. has ever said, you know, Natasha, I have an uncle that I really want you to meet. Mm-hmm. But if I was a man doing the same thing, right. oh my gosh, I would have my pick of the litter, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody would expect me to fold clothes. Nobody right. would expect me to have a hot meal on the table. Nobody would expect me, you know, they would be happy if I made it to one recital a year, right? <laughs> let alone yes. all of them. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I think that, you know, and I, and I really shared this with my husband, with my son, I told him, I was like, you actually love ambitious women. Mm-hmm. So you all are going to have to talk early about hiring housekeepers. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to be honest early that your bedroom is always going to be messy. Mm-hmm. You all are going to have to figure out where your mess can go, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we teach our, our sons so many things, but we don't teach them how to consider the type of woman that they that they need. Yeah. And it's not picking her, no. but it's saying you might want to think about these characteristics mm-hmm. in what you like, right? Mm-hmm. These characteristics. So when you have a strong woman, sometimes it means that she's going to be stubborn. You're not going to just be able to, say, oh, do this and she's going to do it. No, she's going to mm-hmm. challenge you. and You've got to be willing mm-hmm. to have those discussions with her. So it's like, I think that if if that answers the question, and I'm yes. sorry, because it's like, this is such a juicy conversation. No, this is awesome. Um, oh, I'm loving I, it. I'm I, loving it. <laughs> you know, I think that we have to think about that switch of roles, mm-hmm. right? Right. And, 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 and like, where does that come from? Does it actually serve us? So, you know, my family is filled with carpenters. And, and, you know, men who have these skills. Mm -hmm. And when I married the children's father, he never lived in a house. He always Mm -hmm. lived in an apartment his whole life because he grew up in um, San Francisco and then he went to boarding school. Mm -hmm. So he didn't have that zero to 18 where he was fixing cars or, you know, helping Mm -hmm. the Hanks. He didn't have that experience. So he wasn't handy, but I was. Mm. I grew up, my mother was a homeowner. So I grew up in the same house my entire life. My Uh mother, you know, didn't sell her house until I was 30. So I grew up knowing you got to bang this and you got to hang this up and you got to change out filters. And I knew all that stuff, Mm -hmm. but he didn't know those things. So instead of me saying, you are the man, you're supposed to know this. Mm -hmm. Guess what he was great at? Cooking. doing laundry Uh and caring for children. Why? Because he grew up with grandparents. Mm -hmm. So he was always the person who carried the groceries, who went to the store, Mm -hmm. who put things up because that helped his grandparents. So instead of us trying to flip that, Mm -hmm. we honored that that's where our strengths were. Mm -hmm. And the stuff that neither one of us liked to do, that's what we did together. Mm. Oh, I love that. That's yeah. Cause then you, yeah, you partner on the things that neither of you like, instead of saying, well, you're just going to have to do it, you know, exactly because you're the man or mm-hmm. because you're the woman, right. you know, it's like, and, and, you know, some of that, and whether we, it doesn't matter how feminist of a home we've been raised mm-hmm. in or how conscious we think we are, we are still in a gender role society. Mm-hmm. So we're still going to feel that because we're going to be around friends who are going to be like, man, you, you got to do that or 
he has you doing that, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to still have to contend with, with that. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I love, there's a poem by Elizabeth Alexander, when she talks about that she loves making her plate for her man. Uh-huh. And she's like, I'm a feminist mm-hmm. and I like making my plate mm-hmm. for my man. I have no problem making my plate for my man. Mm-hmm. It's actually an act of love for me. He does not require it. He also makes a plate for me. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So yes. It's it's like yeah. We can, we don't have to give up the things that actually could just be sweet. Uh huh. Yeah, and that might be a part of our our love language outside of the five love languages. You know that exactly. might. Be- you know exactly so like you know if I want my man to brush his teeth (laughs) at (laughs) night (laughs) I'm not babying him by by putting toothpaste on his toothbrush Mm -mm. or if I you know if I'm having a rough day and I'm busy and he says hey I I already put out your water I filled up your water bottle it's not that I'm like did you fill up my water bottle it's like thank you or Mm -hmm. if he says can you iron my shirt Absolutely. I'm not going to do it every time, but hey, we were out together doing this thing. So yes, I can iron your shirt. Or guess what? Sometimes I want to iron your shirt just because I freaking love you. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Does that make sense? So it's like, oh my gosh, yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So so even as a feminist, I don't have to say no to everything about Mm -hmm. being present for my man, you know? I don't have to say no about that. I can mm-hmm. actually be like, I want to do this for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of it being that traditional, I have to, because I'm the woman. I want yes. to. Yes. Um, and it's really. And so that- sometimes, yeah. So sometimes I want to order pizza. Right. <laughs> like, exactly. And that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Instead of cooking. Yeah. And it really is. Mm-hmm. It always, it you know, this, you know, wrapping up this conversation really is about the intention that we put into it, um, into the relationship. Yes. And into, into what we really want to like mm-hmm. first people have to get present to mm-hmm. what they actually want mm-hmm. and what they actually desire. And they have to be okay speaking to that even if it's something different, Mm -hmm. even if it's something unusual, right? Mm -hmm. You have to be able to say, well, this is why I like this. I mean, Mm -hmm. and that's the thing about a new relationship, particularly, you know, what I'm experiencing right now Mm -hmm. that is so powerful is that, you know, I have a partner that is so different from me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he's like, now, why do you do that? Now, where does that come from? Mm -hmm. And it allows me to get really present. Am I doing something because I want to? Or am I doing something because I've always done it? Right. You know, Uh and, and where do I, and, and, and where do I fall in that? Mm -hmm. Is it something that I want to give up? You know, oh, I don't have to have 37 pillows on my Mm -hmm. bed. Mm -hmm. I grew up like that, but Mm -hmm. I actually can just have four. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh You know what I mean? Like, it, it it can seem very small. But uh-huh. we are we are on autopilot on so many things. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And if we really look at relationships as an exploration um, of our wants and needs and you know going into it with a just this mindset of beginner's mindset 
um, in a way of, you know, let's see how we work together and how it um, becomes, you know, our relation becomes, relationship becomes very fluid and um, build on that. Yes. And like divine partnership mm-hmm. is to me about someone seeing your blind spots. Mm-hmm. You know, yesterday I wanted to quit something and I have, and you know, Heather, I am not a quitter. No, you aren't. <laughs> but I was experiencing something in which I was like, I quit. Oh, and wow. you know, he was like, no, you don't. Mm-hmm. You, you don't quit. Like, and I was like, okay, can I whine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can I just whine for uh-huh. 35 minutes about <laughs> this? You know, and it was like when he said to me, we're going to get through this. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, he has no work to do with this. Right, he won't right. do any work. But mm-hmm. when he said, we're going to get through this, what I understood that to me was that I am a person you can whine with. Mm-hmm. I am a person that's going to be supportive through this process that mm-hmm. has a clear end date. Mm-hmm. I will hold space for you in this moment and allow and that became the sexiest thing of the day. Oh, I bet. Yeah. You know what I'm uh-huh. <laughs> like? It, yes. It's like, I was like, and that's why that's, that's why I'm doing this. Cause that uh-huh. was sexy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. We could keep talking. Cause this, like you said, this is such a juicy conversation. So we may, I may have to have you back on, um, in a, a few months to, to continue a part two, um, but I want to thank you so much for um, being with me today, speaking with me today, being honest, open, conscious about all of this, Natasha. I appreciate your wisdom and your guidance, and I'm sure the audience will too. To find out more about Natasha um, or to book a life coaching appointment with her or to purchase any of her books, um, go to www.natasharia, that is N-A-T-A-S-H-A-R-I-A.com. That's all from the Integra podcast today, where we talk about everything wisdom, wellness, and woo. Today's podcast is brought to you by Integra Holistic Wellness, home of the Integra Wellness Method. At Integra Holistic Wellness, we recognize that you are made up of four integral parts, body, mind, spirit, and soul purpose. When you work with an Integra Holistic Wellness mentor, you'll be guided how to integrate these four parts of your being through nutrition and movement, mindfulness and emotional release, connection to others and your higher self and your soul's true purpose. To find out more and connect with Heather, contact her at support at IntegraHolisticWellness.com. That's support at IntegraHolisticWellness.com. You can also catch her on Instagram and Facebook at IntegraHolisticWellness. That's I-N-T-E-G-R-A Holistic Wellness.